Welcome to Across the Pond, a Christian commentary on the way of Jesus in the world today with the co-founders of Red Letter Christians, Dr. Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne. Red Letter Christians gets its name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red, and we are aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. Some episodes of this podcast have been adapted from our radio show, Across the Pond, which airs on Sunday afternoons in the UK on Premier Radio. Thank you for listening. Let's jump into this week's episode with Shane Claiborne. Hey, everybody, this is Shane Claiborne, and the name of the show is Across the Pond. Thank you for joining me, and we, uh, on this show, we talk about faith. We talk about justice. We talk about how our faith intersects with the world that we live in, and uh, I am so excited this week uh, to have one of my friends, Pete Gregg, who is um, the co-founder of the 24-7 prayer movement. He's an author, speaker. He does all kinds of great stuff, but he's written a couple of new books that I think uh, have a wonderful, raise great questions and questions that many of, our, of us are asking in the pandemic. Um, one of them is called How to Pray, and the other one is How to Hear God. <laughs> so those are pretty bold titles. It's good to be with you, buddy. Thanks for joining me. <laughs> Oh, mate, thanks so much for having me. Listen, who is it that's across the pond? Am I across the pond or are you across the pond? <laughs> it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? Yeah. When, when, I'm in, when I'm in America, they think that I have an exotic accent, but you're, you, you're the one with the exotic accent as far as I'm concerned. It's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up down in the South, so that's where my, my, my charming accent comes from, East Tennessee. And uh, <laughs> I can't fake it. <laughs> It is charming. Well, you know, there. Let's dive right into it because back in Tennessee, uh, Pete, I just went to a church um, where this service was a mask-free service, right? So they don't allow masks. Yes. And um, and it's under the whole banner of we're choosing faith, not fear. And I did find it ironic that there were a, a number of people carrying weapons uh, there at the service. And so this theology that uh, I don't need a mask because God's going to protect me, but I still need a gun. <laughs> I still need a gun. But I think, you know, that's pretty extreme. But there are a lot of wild things happening right now. Some, I think, really scary theology, but a lot of it's coming from this real genuine place, right? Of like, we're living through a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of thousands of people have, have died. Most of us know people that died. I know people that early on Pete got sick because they were going to worship services, right? And this was before we knew, you know, that mass would save lives and how to be cautious and stuff. And some of them contracted it being in the choir of their churches. And one of those folks, uh, died you know and and i think everybody was praying for him you know he partly died because he's, he's you know caught can caught the the illness covid in 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 the church service and so tell me a little bit uh man you give a lot of thought to this so <laughs> I'm, I'm pitching it all your way man like like how how do we pray through this pandemic you know and um especially when there's so many unanswered questions right <laughs> So we're just starting with a small question. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, how you do we wrote pray? a book, How to Pray. So I'm yeah, going yeah, yeah. to ask you the hard questions, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, pro pro probably the simple answer is we 
the way we pray through this pandemic is one word help <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah you know I, I think i think we have to ask fundamental questions about what prayer is how it works and also who god is and what he's like you know one of the root words uh, from which we get prayer is the latin precarious so we pray because life is mm. precarious because pandemics happen you know no, no, no one you know, gets a terminal diagnosis and says, I really should pray about this, but I, you know, I struggle with prayer. They, they, there's something about the frailty and the fearfulness of being alive that, that turns us to God in prayer. Um, I, I think what you're describing there, Shane, is, is we get an, an awful muddle with our theology where we think that God kind of lives in this separate metaverse on the side. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's our world that's kind of secular and whatever, and then there's God's world. Instead of understanding God is just caught up profoundly in, you know, in the world we live in. I think it was uh, Richard Rule that said, God comes to us disguised as our own lives. Mm. And so uh, the reason I say that is right now, you might be able to hear the background traffic as I talk to you. There's, there's cars zooming past just on the other side of the window from where I'm speaking to you. If I go out there and step in front of a truck it doesn't matter that I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter how much I pray. I'm going to get run over. That's like the way God has set things up, right? So I think we get into an awful lot of nonsense thinking um, that sort of um, we can kiss our brains goodbye and trust God because I think God is, is caught up in that stuff. I was just in the U.S. and it was fascinating to me because, you know, when I was in California, it was like, encouraged to wear a mask but a lot of people weren't yeah when i was in portland oregon everybody was wearing a mask yeah. it was like the, the the cats were wearing masks then i went to arizona and i you know, i'm there wearing a mask and then someone explained to me if you wear a mask it's a sign that you haven't been vaccinated so you're declaring that you're an anti-vaxxer by wearing a mask so like Everywhere I went, there were different rules. It was totally confusing. And then you add a bit of Christianity on top of that, it gets really confusing. Here on the other side of the pond from where you are, this isn't, I don't think, a political issue. It's just a medical one. Like, tell us what are the facts of the matter. Yeah. And we will try and do what's right. It's not about politics. It's not about social markers it's simply about using our brains and believing that god speaks through things like medicine and common sense so yeah, yeah. uh yeah i mean that's kind of obvious but i i, I do i know what you mean we, we're so inconsistent in the way we engage with these issues and certainly the ways we pray about them yeah i mean i think that my probably for all of us our thinking on prayer you know evolves and changes through our spiritual life over the years for me that was surely the case I think you know I grew up with a pretty shallow understanding of prayer that was just making requests to God you know like yeah, yeah, like yeah. A shop, shopping list and I think part of that is prayer but there's a depth that's that goes you know that's much more profound than that, that I, I learned in India, you know, with Mother Teresa, where all the prayers were kind of about us being filled with God so that we can be God's hands and feet to the world. And that was the yeah. Eucharist, you know, you take communion because we are what we eat, you know, and there's this really incredible 
sense that this is not just, you know, us trying to get God to do what we want God to do, but us trying to become who God wants us to be and be yes. so filled with the spirit. And, but a part of that journey for me has been navigating miracles, right? in the supernatural, because right. I got involved right. in the charismatic movement. And right. I genuinely, to this day, you know, I, I, I believe we saw healings and miracles and, you know, and there's other stuff that I don't quite get, you know, folks that are just falling out in the spirit and you know, we, we roll with it, but, but I still, you know, believe in miracles. And um, I, I remember, you know, one of my friends in Latin America said, part of the problem is that in industrialized countries, we don't really see many miracles because we don't really need them. You know, we, we, if we get sick, you go to the hospital. If you get hungry, you go buy food. Like we don't live in ways that really require mm -hmm. some kind of transcendent provision. And he said, in a lot of places in the world, uh, miracles are, are normal because that, you know, you kind of live off of them. And I think for a lot of people who have struggled deeply, there's this deep sense of longing for a miracle, right? So I, I kind of wonder, you know, wh where you find yourself in the middle of that, because I find myself sometimes still hoping and praying for miracles, like we've got an execution scheduled on Thursday, you know, and we're, we're going to be praying for the best and hoping for the best. But preparing for the worst, you know, and, and um, it's very likely that that execution will not be miraculously interrupted, you know? Yeah. 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 I know. I mean, well, look, first of all, yes. <laughs> you know, I think the way I see it is prayer at its simplest is, is asking it's petition. It's what a kid naturally does, you know, God help prayer at its, um, strongest is listening it, it, it moves from that just throwing requests at god to actually learning to have a conversation with him but prayer at its deepest is not asking and it's not listening it's not a conversation it is communion it's mm. beyond words and it is a becoming and so you know, in, in many ways, our journey with the 24-7 prayer movement, at the start, if you said, let's pray, everyone started screaming in tongues. Within 10 years, everyone was going silent and lighting a candle. You know, it's like we've gone on this contemplative journey. Now, I want to say this really clearly. I still believe in miracles. Um, as the soul band hot chocolate used to sing, before they continued less helpfully, uh, since you came along, you sexy thing. So we'll forget that bit. But I still believe in miracles. <laughs> I still believe, you know, for, for lots of reasons. Firstly, I've seen miracles um, quite often. Uh, secondly, um, philosophically, I have to believe in them. What could be more miraculous than just waking up in a human body this morning and looking out and somehow we're on this rock spinning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's sort of the enlightenment at its most sort of fundamentalist. It's rationalism at its most sort of narrow to suggest that the, the, the very existence of life isn't miraculous. So there must be that capacity. And if there is a God, he must be able to break in. And we're followers of Jesus who perform miracles. So there's lots of reasons, theological, philosophical, and experiential, why I still believe in miracles. But the problem is this. They are so arbitrary. Mm. Like, why do you cry out to God for a five-year-old girl with leukemia and she dies? Or in my case, why is it that I sit next to my wife having a seizure for the 100th time, pleading with God to make it stop, and it doesn't work? 
why does that happen? And then someone's headache gets healed. Like what, like what, what is that about? And so, you know, I wrote another book called God on Mute, wrestling with those questions. Yeah. And where I landed, Shane, was God's world, God's will, God's will. Some of this stuff is just God has set the world up to work in certain ways by certain principles. And he do, he's not a micromanager, you know, he, he, he doesn't continually fiddle. Um, and so, you know, I can pray as hard as I want that, that, that I won't miss the train, but it's probably going to leave on time. Yeah. And if I'm, I'm going to miss it because lots of other people are involved and God's not busy running the timetable for our trains. Right. So God's will. Uh, then, then there's God's will. There are some things God doesn't answer because he does have another plan. And, and, and that can hurt like hell. Mm. And, mm. and sometimes it takes 10 years before you look back and go, I now I understand what you were doing. And sometimes we won't ever understand in this life. Yeah. And, and, and then there's God's and then there's God's war. And I think this is really important. This is where a lot of my friends go wrong. If you remove a cosmology from your theology, if you deep down don't really believe in a devil and you don't believe there's a conflict, then you have to either. Why is it that God's will doesn't happen? Mm -hmm. If it's binary, if it's just God wants something to happen and he's God and all I've got to do is ask for it, it'll happen. Why does so much bad stuff happen? Either you end up with a nasty God or a powerless God. Yeah. But the Bible teaches that there are things. Now, this sounds like heresy, but it isn't. There are things that God wants to happen that do not happen in our world. And there are things that God does not want to happen that do happen in our world, even though he's God. And, and yeah. I, can prove it, I can prove it to you. If I'm sitting even with like a hyper-Calvinist, if I'm sitting with a... And I say this, they, they understand, you know, when a woman is raped, that is not the will of God for her life. When a child is trafficked, that is not the will of God for her life. So there's something else going on here that is not about God's will and not even just about human will. That important as that is, there is something demonic at, at work. And a lot of the work you do, Shane, is dealing with systems and structures that can be angelic, for the good or angelic for the bad and, yeah and, dude and that stuff that stuff can take a long time to shift and thank you for your hard work you know oh, we're, we're all doing it together man I'm, yeah. I'm so grateful for you and i you know i think one of the the things we we're, we're such you know natural kind of kindred spirits because we we believe in prayer and and you know putting feet on prayer too like my, my mentor said yeah. if Every week, your small group is praying for your neighbor to get a wheelchair ramp. Maybe you need to get off of your knees and organize some carpenters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, yeah. I, I even think of, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I think I like that theology. You know, that, I mean, that's really what vibes with me is that God's working through the cracks of everything. I often say, you know, like, yeah. like so, like David and Bathsheba, right? It was not God's will for David to commit no. adultery arguably rape i mean he sends his men yeah. to get her right and he yeah. um 
you know, and, and then he has her husband killed Uriah in the battlefield. And yet, like what I love about the New Testament is the first chapter of Matthew, right? Tra- traces the genealogy yep. that led up to Jesus. And it mentions that, right? <laughs> because Solomon was born. Solomon was, uh, this, you know, it says his mother was Uriah's wife, right? <laughs> the son of David, but his mother was Uriah's wife. It's like, don't forget that was messed up. But, you know, God's grace is bigger than our sins and mistakes. And so I, that makes a lot of sense to me. And yet, you know, I'm I'm still like when, you know, I mentioned Thursday, we have an execution and, you know, there was one execution in Georgia where it was incredible because this woman was, was deeply committed to her faith. Her name was Kelly Gissendaner. She had gotten her theology degree. Uh, Jürgen Mm -hmm. Moltmann was a part of, you know, her ceremony. It was incredible. And and she spoke life into so many of the women on death row. I've met some of them that said, I'm alive today because she was my pastor speaking through the air vents, like telling me that, that I am valuable, that I shouldn't take my life, you know, and I mean, just amazing. So she goes to be executed and, um, it, there's a snowstorm, right? So the whole, like, we're all praying, you know, and there's a snowstorm and her execution stopped. Then there's a second date set. They, they get ready to execute her. And someone says that the poison that they're going to use looked bad, right? Now, I, I kind of think there's all kinds of other things happening, right? Like, but for some reason, they go, we can't execute her. And it stopped again, right? And so there's some hope that it's actually not going to happen because um, there's a precedent that if you are facing your execution multiple times, it becomes cruel punishment, right? And so anyway, we're all praying for that. And then in the end, she's executed and she, her last words are singing Amazing Grace. Mm. And she's praying and singing as she's killed, you know? And I, 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 it's hard to make sense of that, right? I mean, especially as we're praying with her, we're praying with our family, we're praying with the victim's family, you know, like we're, and, yeah. um, and then, and, and then she dies. But like, even through the cracks of that, I feel like I can see God, you know, I can see the spirit. I can see even God's broken heart over what we're doing. And, you know, when you talk of the, the, the systems and principalities and powers, like they're, they're there, you know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you have to believe because, because otherwise, I mean, you know, if you have that binary kind of hyper Calvinist view, you basically say, is it God's will for her to be executed? Yes or no? That's a pretty tricky one. If, if it's no, why did she get executed? And if it's yes, why would he want that? So I think prayer, The other one of the other problems we've got is we often see prayer as this power rather than this influence. Mm. You know, I often think of it, you know, the, the, the way that a, a trickle of water running down a mountainside can eventually create a ravine and Mm. can you know crack open rocks and i believe that prayer we always want it to be the big power switch but it's more influential what does it influence does it influence the will of god well there is some there is some suggestion in the scriptures that perhaps it can sometimes but predominantly it influences the will of human beings yeah and that's why we have to say our prayers but also vote our prayers and you know blacksmith our prayers and yeah yeah, yeah And, and then there's the spiritual warfare bit. And there is clear evidence that the choices we make in the spiritual realm uh, have either very, very positive or very, very negative consequences that are not able to be just explained sociopolitically. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that for just a second. But, you know, I, as I um, 
I think of all this, man, I mean, there's a lot of abuse that happens, you know, I mean, I, I even remember, you know, the whole pray away the gay, you know, God's going to heal you of, of, you know, same sex attraction and all the ways that we've kind of, there's a lot of layers of this. Um, and then there's, you know, kind of some of the shallow stuff where you know, people were praying for the football game. There's this great comic beat where, um, uh, that you know, this this football player is making a touchdown in uh, American football course, and uh, and he, he says, "Thank you, Jesus." And then there's a Jesus is watching hockey, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but you know, I I think that that you your second book that you you've written, how to hear God, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of people who say that they have heard God, and when I listen to them, I'm very concerned. <laughs> about what they feel like uh, God has told them. I mean, there's people that still to this day, you know, in our country believe that, I mean, Franklin Graham said this, that God intervened in the, in the election to help Donald Trump come to power. And there's a lot of folks that had this, you know, end times prophecy and all these like really distorted theology that um, I think uh, isn't hearing God at all, but it's uh, trying to, to shift things so that we Mm -hmm. justify the things that we want. So you know, yeah. don't, don't you think a lot of young people are not just looking for um, pastors who have all the answers, but pastors who are willing to ask the questions and, you know, make space for doubt and transcendent things? I mean, if we can explain God, it might not be God we're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it um, Anne Lamott that, that talks about the need? You know, really, when we, we go to church, we should put on crash helmets. You yeah, know, yeah. Wrap ourselves to the chairs because it's like you're dealing with this dangerous being. And, and yeah. of course, C.S. Lewis says that, doesn't he? Aslan is not a tame lion. I'm so, yeah, I think there is yeah. something about the sovereignty and mystery of God that I think we we need to rediscover. I, I think as well. Oh, yeah. I think as well we need to... Um, push in to uh, understanding that God continually disrupts the neat boxes that we put him into. Mm. Like, like, for example, when I moved to the Midwest of America, I knew my view on a whole bunch of things. And I thought, this will be interesting. Let's see how I get disrupted. And one of the ways I got disrupted was I got profoundly challenged about my views on abortion by being in a, a more right-wing context than one in which I normally live on this side of the pond. Yeah. And I began realize hang on there are some really profound questions of life sanctity of life i need to i hadn't really wrestled with because i just absorbed a particular worldview and christianized it and 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 i need to address that. and the reason i say that is i think those who might be more on the left very quick to point at the franklin grimes and the examples of how uh, you know a, a right-wing agenda has been uh, coerced in the name of Christ, but I think it's happening on both sides, and and the key is Jesus. Does this sound like Jesus? Does this smell like Jesus? Does this look like Jesus? Yeah. And when we follow Jesus, we'll sometimes be on the left, sometimes we'll be on the right. Uh, but but and, and if you're not getting shot at from both sides, you're probably doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. When you think about um prayer what what are some because i like the subtitle you said a simple guide for normal people what what are some places that people can um start you know if they if they're really not sure how to pray or you know where to begin um well, one, some, of, one of the tools that I, I one of the tools i teach in the new book is is 
is, you know, the Lectio Divina. I know you're really familiar with that, Shane, but it is revolutionary to learn to read the Bible slowly and with imagination, you know, for, 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 for not for information, but, but, but for revelation. Mm. And it, it's, um, it's a humble posture before the text that says, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to think into this. I'm going to explore the nuances of all the different words. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to inspire my imagination. And I, I just give some simple tools on how to read the Bible in this way. And I tell you what, it changes everything when you when you start to, to practice the lecture. And another one in the previous book, I, I used a simple acronym. I don't like acronyms, but this one works. P-R-A-Y. And it's just pause, rejoice. Ask mm. and yield. You know, be still before you rush in with your your, your Amazon wish list. You know, rejoice. Just give thanks because that's objective reality. The goodness is bigger than the badness. Mm. Ask. It's fine to actually make requests of God. Yeah. And give us this day our daily bread. But then yield. That's the contemplative moment of surrender. So that's just a simple structure that I'll often use in my own prayer times. And again, I just pan out, this is how you can do that. And, and the cool thing is it works with like a six-year-old or it works with a 60-year-old. Yeah, and so some of it, uh, we just don't need to overthink it too much, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Lectio Divina is, is pretty simple. And for folks that don't know it, you know, you're just reading uh, often, you know, in repetition, the same mm -hmm. text and just seeing what what you hear in it. And, you know, I, I think of Mother Teresa and you you sort of uh, alluded to this, the, the intimacy that prayer is with God. And at one point, someone was, a, a reporter was asking her, um, what do you say when you pray? And she says, I mostly listen. And I she, listen, yeah. And they said, well, what does God say to you? And she said, God mostly listens, you know. <laughs> and, and, and if you, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of put words to that. But I think of, you know, my most um, intimate times with my wife. And it's not about what you're saying. It's sometimes just being together, you know, watching a sunset. Like it's, it's uh, um, the fact that you can, you know, abide and be loved together. Um, and so, you know, I, as you think of uh, your closing, you know, we got one minute left here, like uh, thoughts on, on prayer and how it's less of a theory, more of a romance, as Chesterton says, you got any closing prayers or benediction you want to send us out with or closing words listen your prayer life is at its best <laughs> not when you're praying big things occasionally but when you're praying small things continually uh, and god is bigger than words uh, we don't need to be frightened he he draws alongside us in the normality of life you're probably hearing god more than you think that you are and so um you know everyone prays uh all the research says that but uh, let's grow in our relationship with Jesus so that our prayers are contextualized around love. That's it, y'all. We're out of time, but it's been a great half hour with Pete Gregg. And uh, check out his new book, How to Hear God, and his book, uh, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. Love you, brother. Thank you for this time together. You too. You keep inspiring us and challenging us. 
We hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to know more about Red Letter Christians, please visit redletterchristians.org for resources, upcoming events, and to connect with other people who are passionate about Jesus and justice. You can follow Shane Claiborne and Red Letter Christians on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to support our work with a one-time gift or by becoming a monthly sustainer of the movement, please visit our website and click on the red donate button. Thank you for tuning in.